Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rhythms Podcast. My name is Jordan Lohman, and I am so glad that you are tuning in today. Uh, As usual, we invite you to uh, like and subscribe to this um, podcast. It's a little bit funny because I actually just learned last week what it means to subscribe. Uh, Did you guys know when you subscribe, you actually get like notifications every time a new podcast is released? Who knew that's what that meant? But we would love love for you guys to subscribe. Uh, We've been doing this Rhythms podcast for several months now, and uh, it's been a great way to dive into the unforced rhythms of grace, practices, and disciplines that have been very rooting to us, especially during this wilderness season that we are in. Uh, To start off, instead of just coming right out with today's rhythm, I actually have two stories for you. So uh, try to follow me, and I think you'll see where we're headed by the end of this. The first story is about um, this, I guess, science project or experiment. Um, You may have heard about it. It is from the late 80s, early 90s, where seven like biodomes, they referred to as biospheres, were built out in the middle of uh, a desert in Arizona. So these seven structures were built in the late 80s, early 90s, and it was for scientists to study how the planet's living system, like the ecosystem actually worked. And I actually learned through Wikipedia, so perhaps not a trust, <laughs> trusting a reliable source, um, that this was potentially going to be used or the information would be used to figure out how uh, we could thrive or life could thrive in outer space. Who knows about that? Totally from Wikipedia. Uh, but it, this project took place on over three acres of land, and it makes up what's now known as the largest closed system ever created. So these seven biospheres over three acres of land being tested for different things to hone in on like what living ecosystems like how they actually work and operate and what it would look like to kind of reconstruct or recreate that in uh, another area like outer space perhaps. So in this situation, there's one particular biosphere that the findings really caught my attention. It's going to be known as Biosphere 2. In this particular biodome, there were trees that were growing, and they were growing faster than your average everyday trees that we see around us in the world today. Um, So there was so much, I guess, um, attention around these trees, exciting that life is growing and flourishing so quickly. But time and time again, as these trees would reach about five to six feet over and over again, they would collapse or kind of fall over on themselves and die. They would never survive over and over again as these trees in Biosphere 2 were growing rapidly. They would hit that um, five to six foot mark and then suddenly everything would go backwards. No one could understand why, and it was happening over and over and over again. Later, it was determined that it was actually the lack of wind in this particular biosphere or biodome that caused this to happen. The wind that a normal tree encounters actually helps the tree develop and creates what's known as like reaction wood. So that reaction wood, maybe you've heard of it as stress wood before. Maybe you're not a science person and you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's okay too. Keep following. Uh, That stress wood is able to 
help the tree get the best resources for it to survive and thrive. Um, so I don't know if you've ever been like in the woods or, or just seen anywhere really a random shaped tree. I know growing up in my backyard there was a tree that was shaped like a figure four and I never understood how it could defy gravity but stress wood will help the tree to um, grow in different directions in the ground up above the ground to be able to best receive light and nutrients and be able to survive. So without that wind, without that wind that created the stress wood, the trees were dying over and over and over again. Okay, moving on to story number two. So I think we all know that birds, and when I say birds, I mean, you know, chickens, duck, goose, whatever, all of them, they come from eggs. And though we may not have like actually watched the process, I think we can all maybe agree or sit on the same page or you can believe me that uh, birds come from those eggs and that they have to hatch out of them, which is normally going to involve some sort of process where like a bird will peck its way through its shell of its egg. I learned that birds in that stage of life, like literally just within weeks of um, hatching themselves, I guess, they develop what's known as an egg tooth. And that tooth is strong enough to help them peck themselves out of the egg, but then will fall off within a couple of weeks after the, um, I hate to say it's born because I guess it's being hatched, but you're following me. Within a couple of weeks after it entering the world, the tooth falls off. I recently learned that if you actually hatch the bird for it, you hatch the chick, you recognize, okay, the time's here. I'm seeing it starting to peck its head out. If you hatch the chick for it or, you know, help them get out of the egg, there's a strong likelihood that that bird will die or will have severe health complications. Now, I hate to be grim and the bearer of bad news here, but it's actually because that animal is building strength and resilience by pecking its way out of the shell. Even if it takes days or hours or just a really long time, it's actually a good thing. Like I said, it's building strength. So now I want you to reflect on those two stories, the first of Biosphere 2 and the trees that kept falling over because they weren't encountering wind and building that resilience. And then in story number two, a bird or chicken or goose that's in an egg that might seem like it needs your help, but really needs to be able to gain strength by getting itself out of that egg to be able to live and thrive and flourish. In other words, challenge is good. Adversity is good. Trials build us. They shape us. They teach us to find new ways to live and to flourish. I'm reminded of uh, James chapter 1 where it tells us to consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds. And I'm reading that like, what? What does James mean here? Why would this be joy? But these trials and these challenges teach us to access life-giving things. Just like the stress wood on the tree teaches the, the tree to bend and move to access what it needs to live. These trials build the endurance and the wherewithal that are necessary for us to be able to live. And I would say to live a life uh, in according to God's will or in pursuit of Him. I think the funny thing about the rhythm that I'm talking to you guys about today, if you haven't picked it up yet, is that um, you don't actually have to go and choose this thing. 
and the thing being trials. We don't have to go out and intentionally choose trials because trials actually choose us. <laughs> we don't have to look hard. I bet that within the next couple minutes and the next couple days and hours, you are going to be faced with lots of different trials, different versions of wind and shell barriers that um, inconvenience you or that alter your life for all I know. And I just, in this rhythm and in this practice, feel that we need to bring attention to the fact that these are naturally going to come our way, but what it looks like to respond and what it looks like to um, react to these trials is not only uh, important, but I would say pivotal to the journey of following Jesus. For many weeks now, we've talked about how we are in a wilderness season. We are going on a year in this coronavirus pandemic. Mental health is at an all-time low. Suicide rates are at an all-time high. We're in the middle, middle of the winter. And I mean that literally, like we are literally in the middle of the winter right now. Most folks would say that the first week in January is literally the midpoint of the winter season. And here we are just a few days beyond that. There's just a lot going on in the world around us. And probably if we're being honest with ourselves, a lot going on in our own mental state and well-being. I think the worst thing about trials and perhaps about this wilderness season is that they really have this exposing effect on us. They really expose what's underneath the surface. And I know oftentimes as we face trials, we have this idealistic view of like blaming the trial, right? Like because my car broke down, I responded in this way. We blame the trial for making us act or feel or think in that way, but the reality is that action or that feeling or that thought was probably always there. It just hadn't yet been exposed. And that is a humbling realization. I saw a quote by a former bishop of Kensington that put it very well. He said, These are not the problems associated with the ministry, they are the ministry. And I believe what he meant by that was our trials don't get in the way of us following Jesus. The trials are an opportunity for us to show and share what it means to follow Jesus. So as you respond in the coming hours and days and weeks to the trials that life throws your way, I want you to keep three things in mind. The first, talk to God about your situation Share with him what you're going through and what you're experiencing. In your relationship, he desires that. Hebrews 4.15 says, This high priest, which is God, of ours understands our weakness. For he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Hebrews 4.15 reminds us that the Lord has experienced everything that we could experience. He was fully God and fully man. He dwelt among us. He experienced temptations and inconveniences. He experienced people hating him. He experienced death and death on a cross. So he can join with us. He can partner with us. He can carry us through the trials that we're experiencing. But that starts with us talking to, the, to, to him about them. Number two, I want you to remember to trust that God is the source of life and hope and flourishing, not the outcome of your situation. 
and what freedom this brings when you realize that no matter what the outcome of the situation is, God's goodness still remains. It is not jeopardized. It is not wavering. He is steadfast. He is omnipresent because the outcome of your situation does not impact that God is the source of life and hope and flourishing. I'm reminded in Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, where he says, Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have everything. Over and over again, Paul's life and many others throughout the scriptures show us that even in desolate, dark, lonely places where we have nothing, where we um, own nothing, all, all of the things that he referenced in that passage, that still he can have joy and hope and have a life that is flourishing because all of those things are connected to his identity and oneness in Christ, not connected to his circumstance. And lastly, my hope is that we see the challenges and adversity and trials as an opportunity for ministry, as an opportunity to be a witness. Just a couple of uh, verses earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 and 5, Paul is sharing and he said, We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us, and no one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. And yet, what does he say? We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. No one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God patiently enduring those troubles. Wow, wow, wow. Paul and many others in the scriptures and Jesus as the prime example with his death on a cross shows us that these trials can be an opportunity to be a witness, to minister to others, to practice our faith. Trial and suffering is not opposed to faith in the goodness of God. I am certain that in the days, in the hours, in the weeks to come, you will face trials of many kinds. And in those moments, I am convinced that you will have the opportunity to witness to others. So now, as you return to your everyday life, it's not if, but when you'll face these challenges. Like I said, the next few minutes, the next few days, weeks, maybe in a small, inconvenient way, maybe in a big, life-altering way. Remember, seek the Father, trust in Him, and see this trial as an opportunity to make Him known. Go in the blessing of the Lord today. Thank you.